Amen. That other song I couldn't get away from it. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. That was a song they sang at my mama's funeral a couple of years ago. Michaela sang a verse of it with their band. And I tell you, you could feel the Spirit of God in that place. And thinking about where mama was, you know, it hurt and everything. But knowing where she is is what makes the difference. Amen. And I could just, I could just see her praising the Lord. I could see her just unwound, just wound, unwound, I guess you say, in the presence of God, amen, because she did it while she was here, amen, so I can only imagine what it's like her being there, one day we're going to find out, your mama's there, others are there, amen, gone on before us, They their time's up, ours will be up one day, but you know what, it's going to be well worth it when we walk into the presence of God, Amen. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin, no more devil. Amen. No more issues, no more backaches, no more headaches, no more heartaches. Amen. Praise God. There's coming a day, praise God, and it's going to be a good one. Amen. That's what we're living for. And like Lucas was saying when he's praying to not, not forget this, this is about souls. Amen. It's about reaching, taking somebody else with us. Amen. We don't ever want to forget that. That's why we're here, to bring somebody else to Jesus Christ. If we can't do that, I don't want to be here. And it don't always go like I'd like it to go. I wish I could get a 100 people saved today. It don't happen like that. Not, that's not a reality. But there's people that God's going to use to put in your path to be a witness to him, to help bring them to him. You're just going to have to trust him and hold on and believe that something good is coming. Amen. We're going to take up our offering tonight, and I hope you've been blessed this week. We had some good services Sunday, and I know the Lord is happy, the devil's mad, and I'm glad. Amen. That's all that matters. As long as the devil's mad, we're glad. Amen. As long as he's stirred up, you're doing something right. Amen. Keep him stirred up. Let's pray over the offering and ask God to bless it. Lord, we ask you to bless the offering tonight. We ask you to move. Through the internet, we ask you to touch people that are watching tonight, Lord, those that are sick, those that need healing in their bodies. Lord, we pray that you would help people tonight to step out in faith and to give of their finances, Lord, to help us to do what you've called us to do. We thank you for every person who's come out tonight, Lord, to hear your word, to praise you, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you to have your way tonight. We ask you to move tonight, open our eyes, touch us. Bless us spiritually, speak to us, and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. It'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of these trials, we'll hear Jesus call. It'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of this climbing, it'll be worth it after all. We need our spirit-filled preachers to teach us right from wrong. We need our old-fashioned seekers who will pray all night long. We need some good gospel singing. 
to help us go another mile. And the church will triumph, oh Lord, and go home in a little while. It'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after
can move it. When you can't, he can. <laughs> He's in the mountain moving business. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes in order to see those things move, we just got to praise your way through it. Amen. Just got to, you know, we have no saying, suck it up. <laughs> I know that sound, may sound mean sometimes, but it's the truth. We do. We have to suck it up and go on and trust God and praise him. Uh, you know, put a smile on your face even if you don't feel like it. Because you're still saved. You're on your way to heaven. Amen. Your circumstances don't dictate where you're heading. Amen. They get, they, they, they're not supposed to take our joy, take our peace. We, when we get our eyes off of Jesus, that's when we start losing our joy and our peace and we get our eyes on the problem. That's what Satan wants you to do. Get your eyes on your problem. Blow up, magnify the problem. That way we start looking at the problem instead of the problem solver. Amen. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Don't fall for that tactic of Satan and keep praising him. Tonight we're going back to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Colossians. Good to see everybody tonight. Made it out. I'm glad you made it. And come back to church Sunday morning. If you can, we're going to be expecting for God to move. And We had some good services this past Sunday. Looking forward to what's coming in the days ahead. Always look forward to preaching the Word of God. Never gets boring preaching the Word of God. Never. It never gets old. It never gets boring. Sometimes it's a little tough. You have to keep your eyes on the Lord. You can't be distracted with stuff. And you have to find out what the Lord wants and preach it. And then you leave all the results up to Him. Amen. If you make people mad, it's on them. If you make them happy, it's good. It's great. If they get mad, it ain't on me. If you get mad, it ain't on me. It's on you. Amen. The Word of God really ain't supposed to make us mad anyway. It's supposed to correct us at times, but it ain't supposed to make us mad. It's supposed to help us get, get in. If there's areas of our life that ain't where they need to be and something's preached, then what it, this, this shouldn't make us mad and angry. It should help us get in line and say, Lord, work in my heart in this area. Change me. Help me to come closer to you. Amen. That's what it's designed to do. But if we let the flesh get in the way, then emotions and feelings and, well, I don't like that. I don't think you ought to say that. You say you can get tripped up with that stuff. I say you can get tripped up with your flesh. That's why you got to make sure you let the Holy Spirit do the leading. Amen. Amen. The Word of God is always good for us, even when it hurts. Colossians chapter 2 tonight, <clears throat> verse 8 says this, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out, the handwritings of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, 
nailing it to his cross. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to bless us tonight. We ask you to speak to us. We ask you to open your word that the Holy Spirit would give us revelation of your word, not just to our mind, but to our heart, that we would see the word in the spiritual realm. We would see the effects of it, Lord, that you would open our eyes, open our understanding to the things that we don't understand, Lord, and supernaturally help us to understand the spiritual truths, Lord, that you desire to be put into effect in our heart and life today in 2023. Lord, we thank you tonight for what you're doing. We thank you that there's not a mountain that you can't move. And you've told us to praise you, Lord. No matter how we feel, you said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You told us to meditate upon your word, to think upon the things that are good, to think upon the things, Lord, that are of a good report, to think upon the things that are lovely, that are true. Lord, the things that come from your word, God, help us to be more of a lover of your word than anything else. Lord, help us tonight. Bless us. Touch those that are watching and open their understanding. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I I was thinking about some things earlier when I was getting ready for this, and you know, a few thoughts came to my mind, but as a matter of fact, I posted one of them, I think, earlier on the Internet, you know, about deception. Satan, one of Satan's greatest weapons in the church is... Um, deception, false doctrine, and causing people to believe things that look good and maybe sound good, but they're not biblically correct. And deception is, the Satan wants to pull people away from the truth. If you don't have the truth, he ain't really going to be working too much to try to pull you. But when you have the truth and you're on to something and you're learning and you're growing and you're seeing God work in your life, then you got to beware because Satan is coming to try to pull you away from what God is doing in your heart and in your life. And the way that it all began in our heart and life has had absolutely nothing to do with who we are or what we did or what church we joined or whether we got baptized or baptized in a certain formula. It was all based upon us accepting Jesus Christ into our heart by faith, believing in him. And when we did, the Bible says we were at that moment born again, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were, our names were written down in heaven. We are now children of God, no longer at enmity with God, but we are now a friend of God, the word says. We're no longer at animosity with God, but we are at peace with God because we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart. You see, and we didn't nothing well all of us didn't know all that. You I didn't know all that when I got saved, but when I started reading the Bible I started finding some things out. Started learning some things. You're not gonna learn anything until you start reading the Bible. You have to throw out everything else and read the Bible. The Bible, the word of God. It's it's the Bible, I mean, it's, it's everything, all, all of your theology, the way you think, the way you live, every bit of it is supposed to be based off of what you know about this. We're, not, we, we're, we're guided, man don't live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of 
of God. That's why you need to read it, study it, devour it. You know, take the time to try to find out what the Lord is saying to you. But more importantly, you got to understand the truth of salvation and sanctification. Sanctification is the ongoing progressive work of the Holy Spirit after we get saved that God desires to do in us to change us, to rid us of more flesh. And if you sit there and say you don't have any more flesh, or think it, or act like it, you'll find out. You do. But the, the job of the Holy Spirit is to rid us of the flesh. The works of the flesh, Paul said, what are they there? Manifest. You might not see it, but your husband can see it. Your wife can see it. Your children can see it. Your co-workers can see it. (laughs) The works of the flesh, Paul said, they are manifest, but Jesus Christ died not only to save us, but to break the bondages of the flesh and to root out and to get this stuff out of us after we get saved, and we're only told that it's going to take a lifetime of doing it. Philippians 1 and 6, is that it? He that has begun, being confident of this very thing, Paul said, that he which has begun a good work in you will continue to do it, continue to perform it until how long? Until the day of Jesus Christ. So that tells me that God still wants to change me. That tells me that there's still something, there's some things in us that the Holy Spirit wants to take out. He say, well, I don't ever see any. Don't worry, it'll come to surface. You might not see it, but wait till God shows it to you. A lot of times we don't see it, and it takes stuff to happen for God to show us that it's there. And so we have to make sure that we stay in the process. The process, I got to say this again, the process, the process you got in to this by faith. You didn't get into this by what you did. You got into this by what you believe. Look, you are not who you are because of what you do. You are who you are because of what you believe. If you don't believe right, you won't live right. If you don't understand the message of the cross, look at for sanctification and the object of faith. They were talking about the object of faith this morning on the radio and the Holy Spirit kind of drew my, drew my attention back to that. The object of your faith. What is the object of your faith? Object. You know, we talk about an object. We think about an object. It's a thing. It's something. An object. Okay, what is the object of your faith? What is your faith in? What does your faith revolve around? Is it all about you? Is it about how much you pray? Is it about how much you fast? How much you witness? Is it about going to church? Is it about the good things that you do for people? Or is it solely and completely in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross? Because every Christian has faith, but not every Christian understands the object of faith. The object is the cross, Jesus Christ, and what he did. That is to be what we are to stay focused on. 
That's what our faith, Paul said, has to rest in. It can't rest in the wisdom of men, but it's got to be in the power of God. And for that to happen, the object of our faith has to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. You can't leave out the and him crucified part because that's the part that plays the part in our sanctification. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but Jesus Christ died to make us free from sin, to break the bondages of the flesh and to give us life more abundantly. So when you really want to slap somebody upside the head, the Holy Ghost jerks you up and says, no, I'm going to slap you upside the head. When you really just want to pull somebody else in line, the Holy Ghost says, I'm going to pull you in line. I need to keep you in line. And we do. We, he need, we need to let him keep us in line. Because it ain't my wife, my daughter, my neighbor. It's me that I got to make sure I let the Lord keep track of and work on. Because it's me that can get out of grace. It's me that can get off track. It's me that can go the wrong way if I don't keep the object of faith what it's supposed to be. Anybody, anybody in this place, you get your eyes off of Jesus Christ for a few seconds, a few minutes, an hour or so, and you're capable of doing the most horrible thing. But we know that's not God's will for us. It's not how God wants us to live. The Lord wants us to be peaceful, to live at peace, to do everything we can. Paul said to do everything we can to live at peace with as much as possible that life in you live at peace with all men. That's not always easy. (laughs) Got a family, got a husband, got a wife, got a job. (laughs) Be at peace with everybody around you as much as you can. You can't do that on your own. you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And look, the promise is that if we do things God's way, we will have his power. We will have his strength. And then people are going to recognize, hey, man, how in the world are you doing this? How are you overcoming this? How are you dealing with these issues? Because you're letting somebody greater in you do it. And it's done because of what our faith is in. The whole reason, again, Paul wrote what he wrote here, and he's warning here about deception. He's warning about false doctrine. He's warning these these Colossian believers not to be carried away with false doctrine, not to allow these so-called teachers that crept into the church who claimed that they had this higher revelation that the ordinary Christian can't have, not to allow people to come along and cause you to believe something that's not right. Because again, the way you believe will determine how you live. The way you believe will determine your thought life. It will determine how you live your life. Not what you do, what you believe. And we have to say that over and over around here. Not what you do, what you believe. It's not what you do that makes you right with God. It's what you believe. And it's what you believe that keeps you right. So when he said to these Colossians, beware lest any man spoil you, he was warning them, you need to be discerning. You need to use discernment. You can't listen to anything and everything that people say in the church world. 
You can't believe everything over Facebook. You can't believe everything over television. You can't believe everything that comes across the radio. You can't just take it because somebody throws God's name in it or they say the name of Jesus. That's how the devil baits people. He uses truth along with the lies. That's his bait. The bait is the truth. Bits and pieces of the truth mixed in with that which is wrong. And the Bible said that a little leaven eventually leavens the whole lump. Beware lest any man spoil you. Don't allow anybody to deceive you. And the word uh, beware also means to be able to see, to see spiritually. Discernment is in is not so much in a natural realm, it's in the spiritual realm. You know, you can discern a person's spirit. You're supposed to be able to. You can discern, you can be around somebody long enough and you can discern what kind of spirit they have, right? You can discern if there's hidden sins. You can discern if there's things going on that they might think nobody knows about. But the Holy Ghost can show you things. It's not all, and it's not to condemn, beat everybody up, but it's to show you, to maybe warn you, to help you to understand. You need, you need to be careful. You need to be discerning, and, and and more so with false doctrine. You need to be discerning about what you listen to. Just because somebody gives you a word, don't mean it's from God. Just because somebody says something that sounds encouraging to you, and it may be, doesn't mean it's necessary from the Lord. And I always welcome any word from God that I feel like is truly from Him, from somebody, if I, if I feel like the Lord uses somebody to speak something to me. And I know when it's of the Lord. And I know when it's just come from somebody who just thinks they just want to say something. See, it's a whole lot better when you're going through something or you're dealing with something and nobody around you knows absolutely anything about it and then the Lord moves on somebody to give you something, to give you, and you say, oh, I thank you, Lord. I know that was from you. The problem in the church is too many people run around telling everybody everything, get on Facebook posting everything, so then you go and get 100,000 people come to you saying they, get, they know what to tell you and they know what's from the Lord or whatnot and they don't have a word from nobody but their flesh. That's why you need to keep your stuff between you and the Lord because you'll, be you'll, be you'll be blessed a whole lot more for God to send that one person if he needs to to speak something to you that you know good and well. <laughs> that was the Lord. And I'm all for stuff like that, but I, I don't need a word from somebody every day. I don't need anybody sending me messages every day. I got a word for you. I got a word for you. I got a word for you. I don't need that. I got faith. <laughs> I live by faith. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, again, and I welcome somebody giving me some encouragement about things, but I don't need a word from everybody every day. I ain't accountable to you, my friend. I'm accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, I got a word. I got all the words I need. I got it right here it is. I can stand on his word and be encouraged and know that if nobody else knows what I'm going through, he knows what I'm going through and he's going to get me through it, praise God. And we have to learn that. That ain't easy to learn. You know, and what, what, what's wrong with having a friend? Ain't nothing wrong with having a friend if you got one you can trust. 
Nothing. But you need to be careful that you don't find yourself leaning on a person, leaning on a man, lean on Jesus. That's what we've always been preaching and teaching. All the years my wife and I have been saying now, turn to Jesus, trust Jesus, look to Jesus. When people walk away from you, look to Jesus, fall on your knees, go to Him, talk to God, get in the Bible, go to the Lord. That's what we want you to do because you'll find the help you need. You'll find the comfort you need. When men walk away from it, Jesus said, I'll stand with you and I'll strengthen you. We need the inward strength. You can't get that from a man. You can't get it from me. I can't get it from you. You're going to have to get it God's way. You're going to go through some stuff to get it. You're going to have to deal with some problems. You're going to have to make some tough decisions at times. Whether or not to hold on to something or cut loose from something. Life's not easy. Being a Christian is not easy, especially in the days that we live in. Evil is, is, is getting worse and worse and worse. Take a look around. You don't have to look very far to see that. It's, it's everywhere. It's in the community, it's on the job, it's in the church, it's in the family, it's all around us. And people are only getting worse. Well, you know what? You don't have to go with them. No, you don't. You can go with Jesus. You can stand your ground. You can stand on God's word. You don't have to follow false doctrine. You don't have to listen to every preacher that everybody else listens to. You don't have to follow that which is not right. Don't let any man deceive you. Beware, Paul said, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. You know what the word spoil means? It means to take you as a prey. To take you, listen, the word spoil means to take you and carry you off and lead you astray. False doctrine will carry you off and lead you astray. It'll take you away from the truth. Look, you'll be, you'll be overtaken. You'll be taken captive. And now you're going to have a problem with bondages of the flesh. And if you're not going the right way, you're not going to be able to overcome those bondages. You got, put Second Peter up, if you will, back there on the screen for me. Second Peter 2, 12 through 20. <clears throat> I was going to get to this last week. I was reading some of it today, but I won't bring it up now while it came to my mind. Talking about false doctrine. People need to see this. This is referring to people, listen, preachers mostly, and it can apply to Christians who started out on the right track. Who started out believing in Jesus, accepted Jesus, and preached Jesus Christ for a time. But look at this. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, look through the, how do we escape sin? The pollution through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is referring to false teachers here now. They are again entangled therein. You know, you can come to Jesus, you can be set free, and if you turn away from him, you can go back into bondage entangled therein, and look, and overcome. There's, there it is. Taken off as a prey. Satan has taken you captive. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. 
Next verse, 13. How do we get to 20? Oh, you're way you're too far ahead. You've got to back up to verse 12. I don't know how in the world you got there. Second Peter 2, I said 12 through 20. But these, Lord and mercy, I thought something was wrong there. Look, but these, now again, speaking of these, this is referring to those who started off right, but now they've gone astray. They've, they're, they're preaching another gospel. These as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Next verse. 13 now. And shall, well, come on in, fellas. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime, sparts they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They're deceived while they're feasting with you. Next verse. Having eyes full of adultery is referring to spiritual adultery. And they cannot cease from sin. You see, when you turn away from the cross, you can't cease from sin because there's no way to overcome it. Look, beguiling unstable souls. This is what false teachers do. They beguile unstable souls, those that are not mature in the Lord. They deceive. Beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous Practices curse children, 15 says, which have forsaken, there it is, the right way. You can forsake the right way. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone, what? Astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, referring to money. What did Balaam, why did Balaam do what he did? For reward. Money, hired. And that's what most preachers are today. They're hirelings. Money, popularity. Who love the wages of unrighteousness. 16. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. We all know that story. These are wells without water. See, these are preachers with no anointing. What good is a well with no water? What good is your kitchen sink? What good is that water fountain with no water flowing through it out there? It's dry. Wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to who the mist of darkness is reserved Forever. Let me tell you, false doctrine is dangerous. And people that preach it are heading to a place of destruction. And if you go with them, your reward will be their reward. For they, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, here we go, great swelling words of vanity, they make promise after promise after promise. They're all over television. Promising you this and promising you that. 
$1,000 seed offering. God's going to pay your house off. You're going to be rich. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going promises after promises, great swelling words of vanity. Look, they allure through the lust of the flesh. It's like, it's like the person that goes to Las Vegas and goes into the casino and puts the money in and starts pulling the handle and they get bit. They went, maybe get just a little bit of something and ooh, let's do it again. Let's do it. And the more you listen to false doctrine, that's exactly what it does. And they make all these promises and what they're doing is they're luring people through the look, the lust of the flesh. You know why so many people are falling for this? Because most of them are greedy for money. Most of them want the they want the next biggest house. They want the Rolls Royce. They want to be rich. They, and we've turned the gospel into what you can get instead of what Jesus wants to do in your heart. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were escaped from them who live in error. They're pulling people back. While they promise them liberty, this is talking about preachers, they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. You mean preachers? Exactly. When you leave the cross of Jesus Christ, when you start preaching anything else, when you change the gospel, this is what you're going to become, a servant of sin. May have the nice suit, may have the big home, may have the car, but let me tell you, behind closed doors, there is bondage and there is flesh ruling many of these people. Why? Because they've changed the gospel. They left the truth. You see, this is what can happen to us. That's why you've got to be careful what you listen to and what you follow. For of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought into bondage. Going to the next couple of verses, we'll finish it where we start now. For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how we all got out. That's how we escaped all the bondages. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. You know, it's worse to go back. Last verse. For it had been better that for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Let me tell you something. There is no such thing as once saved, always saved. It's a false doctrine. The Bible does not teach it. You can lose your way. You can turn your back on the truth. You can go back into sin. You can be dominated by the powers of, the, of darkness so much so that you turn your back completely on the Lord and you can lose your soul. That's why false doctrine is dangerous. 
And that's why we always stress it here. I don't, I don't run around here telling everybody who you can listen to, who you can't. And I don't call you and say, well, are you listening to him or are you listening to her? I don't do that stuff. But I tell you this, you need to be careful who you listen to. You need to judge it according to this. Because it's dangerous to follow something that, that sounds good, it may look good, but under the surface, it's deceptive. And we all have to be careful of that. We have to stay on track every single day. We have to, we have to judge what we hear. We don't just listen to stuff and, oh, oh, that sounds really great and that's all good enough. We judge it according to the Word of God. Doesn't mean we go around condemning everybody that doesn't say something the way, you know, we think it ought to be said all the time. But again, if it's not biblical, I don't care who says it. It ain't right if it's not biblical. So Paul said, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. I'm going to get to verse 9. For in him, this in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. So everything that we need, guess where it's at? In Him, in Christ. It's in Jesus, the one who is the head of the church. Look, I don't, there's nothing outside of Him. You're not going to find peace. You're not going to find joy. You're not going to find freedom from sin. You're not going to find the answer to your marital problems. You're not going to find the answer outside of Jesus Christ. It's in Him. In Him, Verse 9 says, dwells all of the Godhead bodily. Everything we have need of is in Him. Everything that God wants to do in us already has done for us and the Holy Spirit does the work in us. It's all been done through Jesus Christ. So if we're going to go anywhere, we need to go to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to go to the Word. He said, verse 10, you are complete in Him. Everything you need is in Him. So don't fall for false doctrine. Don't let people try to, to maneuver you into worshiping angels. Don't allow people to, to push you into following after feast days and, and fast days and, and they don't eat pork and they don't do this. Don't fall for all that stuff. That's just, that's, that's the rudiments of the world. That's the traditions of men. And all it's going to do is take you away from Him. You are complete in Him. That means you're made full. The word complete means to supply abundantly. What did Jesus say in John 10? The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Not just life. I don't want just life. I don't just want to be saved. I want abundance. I want more. I want... God to speak to me. I want God to show me things. I want God to work in me. I want God to use me. I want more of Jesus. And if I'm going to get it, then I've got to keep my faith in Him and Him alone. You are complete in Him, which is the head. Look, He's the head of all principalities and powers. He's over the devil. The devil ain't over Jesus. There was never any kind of wrestling match in hell with Jesus and a devil. Do you hear me? 
Jesus did not go into hell and die in hell and suffer in hell and burn in hell and all this stuff that people come up with. The devil don't want no part of your Jesus. That's why the scripture says, greater is he that lives in me than he that's in this world. There's somebody greater in you than the de- all the devils of this world, all the power of Satan. Jesus is the head of every principality and power, whether it be angels or whether it be fallen spirits, demon spirits. He's the head of all principality and power. That means he broke Satan's power at the cross to save us, to deliver us, and to set us free so he can make you free. He alone can keep you free. He alone can deliver you from the powers of darkness. He alone. Nobody else. Verse 11, he said, In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. You know, in, I think it might have been Galatians where they were, the Jews were trying to institute or trying to heap the law upon these believers, these Judaizers, the, the law of, of circumcision. And Oh, no, if you're going to be a child of God, you've got to follow the law of Moses. You're not just saved by faith. You have to keep the law too. That means you've got to go through with all the ordinance of the law. You've got to circumcise the children. You've got to do this and do this and this. And Paul, he cuts all that down and says, No, circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything. It's not nothing to do with the outwards. It's what Jesus wants to do on the inward. So the circumcision that he's talking about here, made without hands, means it's it's not made by the circumcision that Jesus has given to us which represents a, a, a cutting away of the old and a bringing in the new. Guess how it was done? Through the cross, not by the hand of a man. The doctor can't change you. Psychologists can't fix you. You can't be delivered from sin by the hand of a man. Jesus Christ broke every power of the devil 2,000 years ago. When he died on the cross, that's what this refers to when it says it's a circumcision made without hands. This is God's method of delivering us from sin. Now, if you're going to follow God's method, you're going to have to reject man's. If you're going to follow God's method, you're going to have to throw everything else out the door and say, Jesus, I believe that my deliverance from whatever it is I need deliverance from is all in you. And I'm standing on it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm taking it. He said, let me go back to verse 11, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Here's what this circumcision, this spiritual circumcision has accomplished in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. You see what it did? Broke the power of of the sins of the flesh. Jesus did it. So why are we looking anywhere else? Why are we running here? Why are we running there? Why are you listening to this preacher? Listen to that preacher. Go to this church. Go to that. Why are you looking? It's already been done. Look no further. 
Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. Because he put off the body of the sins of the flesh. That means he's broken the power of the sins of the flesh through what he did at the cross by the circumcision of Christ. Again, that's that work of the cross that eliminates the old man and raises up a new man. That quick and that easy. Verse 12 said that we are buried with him in baptism, not water, it's a spiritual baptism. Buried with him. You bury something you don't want to see again. Paul said the old man in Romans 6 is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Buried with him. Buried with him. He buried our old man. He buried my old sins. They're gone. Are y'all here tonight? Where's yours at? Gone. (laughs) Buried with him. He took them upon the cross. He took them with him. He put them away. His blood paid the price. He sacrificed himself. So praise God, I don't have to sacrifice myself. Hello? He sacrificed himself so, look, we can go free. So don't listen to anybody tell you that in order for you to be delivered from your sin, you need to write it all down on a piece of paper, go drop it in a box and tell everybody. Throw it in a box and go stomp around on the floor and say, I got it, I got it. No, just go to Jesus. You don't have to, they say some, you know, they've done, write them all down and they, they put a casket in the church and tell them, throw all that stuff in the casket, we'll shut the door and you're free. No, you're not. Because you're going about it the wrong way. You're looking at it the wrong way. You got to go to Jesus. You don't go to a casket. Go to where he buried the old man. Go to where he crucified the flesh. Go to where he did the work. Buried with him in baptism, look wherein also you are risen with him, risen with him. A new man. You ain't what you used to be. There's a new man been raised up. Who did it? The power of God did it. He crucified the old man. He raised up a brand new man. That's why you stopped cussing. That's why you stopped drinking. That's why you stopped gossiping. That's why you stopped lying. That's why you stopped cheating on your spouse. That's why, that's why. (laughs) Because something happened in here. And let me tell you, if that something don't happen from God himself, it ain't going to happen. If that something don't happen by the power of God and the Spirit of God, you're not going to be changed. Anybody want to change? Go to Jesus. Go back to the cross. Don't sit there and think, well, I got it all. I heard the message of the cross. I got it. Now you got to live it every day. (laughs) Now you got to walk it out every day. Hearing it and walking it out is not the same, friend. You can be hearing it and not doing it. Until you start doing it and it brings the change, then you can say, praise God, there's a testimony being made here. God is working in me. It's not me doing it, it's Him doing it. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm complying, I'm surrendering, I'm trying to do things His way. 
But now you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. See, God's operation ain't like man's. God's work is not like man's. God, the operation of God refers to Jesus. What Jesus did, this is how God operates. It's the, it's, and it's through faith. The faith of the operation of God. Look, who has raised him from the dead. Good news, he ain't dead. He's alive. And guess what? Because he lives, we shall live also. Because he lives, I live. That's the only way we live is because he's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's seated by the right hand of the Father where the Bible said he ever liveth to make intercession for us, meaning his work is finished. That's why I said he sat down. He ain't standing up. He sat down because he's at rest. And praise God, you and I can be at rest tonight with him. Paul said we are seated with him in heavenly places. Sit down tonight and just rest in Jesus. Don't work yourself. Don't wear yourself out trying to do this and trying to do that and trying to free yourself. Just sit down and rest in Jesus. Trust Him. Verse 13 says, And you, somebody can say, Me, being dead in your sins, dead as dead could get, dead and on your way to hell, Dead in bondage, dead in drugs, dead in alcohol, dead in perversion, dead in darkness. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Look, has he quickened together with him? Quickened. He's made you alive, praise God, with him. You don't need anything else, church. You just need him. He's quickened together with him, look, having forgiven you some of your trespasses. How many of your trespasses? Why we let the devil bring them up? Why we let people bring them up? Next time somebody tries to bring up your past, what you need to tell them, say, look here, I want to show you something. I want to show you what I learned from church last time I was there. Pastor Thomas said to tell you that Jesus Christ forgave me of all my trespasses. My faith is in him. My faith ain't in the church. My faith ain't in you. My faith ain't in a preacher. My faith is in Jesus Christ. And he said, every one of my sins have been forgiven. So if you want to try to pull something up, God's forgiven. You go right ahead and try it. But the Lord says it's under the blood. And I'm saying what the Lord says. It's under the blood. He forgave me all my trespasses. Don't let anybody hold your past over your head. Take them to Calvary and tell them Jesus buried every one of them. They've been washed in the blood. And I ain't saying I'm perfect, but praise God, I ain't what I used to be because I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. So suck on that one, devil. Having forgiven you all. Now look, let me stop here for a second though. Say this though. The Lord forgives those who want forgiveness. Don't be fooled now. Everybody don't want forgiveness. Because look, in, in forgiveness is deliverance. 
Forgiveness of sin is one thing, but look, deliverance from sin is another. Deliverance is the part, the, 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 the taking it away part, meaning you don't return to it. You don't want to go continue doing it. You want deliverance. Godly sorrow, the Bible says, works repentance. Godly sorrow brings true repentance. But the sorrow of man only brings misery. The repentance of man's repentance, I'm just sorry for what I did. I don't want deliverance from it. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. That's not biblical repentance. Godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of, the Bible says. But the sorrow of man, it's just, uh, I'm sorry for, I got caught, I'm sorry for what I did, but I don't want to change. See, there's a difference. Godly sorrow will cause you to say, oh, Lord, help me, change me. Deliver me. Lord, I don't want to keep living like this. Don't be fooled. A true born-again Christian, when, when we sin, not if, when we sin, we're going to repent, and we're going to ask the Lord to change us and to help us and to get us out of it to where we stop doing things that we shouldn't be doing. We ain't going to be looking for an excuse to keep doing it. Because the Holy Spirit ain't going to let you. Because the Spirit, the this Holy Spirit's job is there to clean us up and rid us of stuff. So He's not going to let you. And truth is, if you're truly born again, you love Jesus. You don't want to continue sinning, and you you'll you struggle at times. You do things at times, but there's a difference in that, and you just wanting to do it. Because if you're born again, you don't want to do it. You don't want to live contrary to God's word. You don't want to sin. And number one, your sin and my sin, it ain't really against that person you think it is. It's always against God first. Lying, cheating, stealing. What? And you do it to people, but really it's against God. And you got to recognize it's against him. That's what produces the godly repentance, the godly sorrow. Then the first person you go to when you mess up is not that person, the Lord. And then when you make things right with the Lord, you'll be making things right with some people. Come on. You will. That's a part of that keeping the peace with all men. Because God don't want friction in our lives. He doesn't want fussing and fighting all the time with people. He doesn't want turmoil all the time. He don't want you up and down, in and out, tore up about this and tore up about that. He wants you consistent and stable in him. He's quickened us together, having forgiven you all trespasses. See, you got to get a grip on this. you got to understand this. Everything. From the day you got brother, before you got saved, all those years of stuff that piled up, forgiven. 
And since the day you got saved all the way up till now, the things you've done, forgiven. Put under the blood because you confessed it to Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive you. Forgiven. He said in verse 14, blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us. Speaking of the law, the law was there to do what it was meant to do, but it was never there to take away sin. It was there to show us our sin. But then the law had to be taken out of the way for the old covenant. The old covenant had to be taken out of the way so that the new covenant could be installed because a man had to pay the price for sin, a human, because it was a man who lost what we lost in the garden. It was the last Adam that bought it back. The first Adam sinned. Remember, the first Adam lost it all. The first Adam, through deception and and rebellion and sin, lost it. But the last Adam, Jesus, delivered us. He won back what the first one lost, a relationship with God Almighty. He took it out of the way. The law, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. See, everything's been taken care of through the cross. Everything you need has been given through the blood. Your salvation, your deliverance, your sanctification, your growth in the Lord, your knowledge of the Lord that you need, the things that you need for your family, you need in your life, you need on your job, everything you need is in the cross. He paid it all. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but his blood has washed it white as snow. I want to tell you tonight, if you're troubled, if you're bothered, if you're in turmoil, if your life's not where it needs to be, look to Jesus. Look to Calvary where you can find a peace of mind. If, you're, if you've been listening to stuff, listen, that's not right, you have to ask God to forgive you of that too. You have to say, Lord, forgive me for not listening to what I should listen to and forgive me for listening to what I shouldn't be listening to. But follow the truth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit. And, Lord, I pray tonight for everybody that's here, people through the Internet, that people would walk out of this place with a revelation, that they would walk out touched, they would walk out changed, and that, Lord, that they would see Jesus in a greater way than ever before. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you that the best days are ahead of us. And, Lord, that we're going to see you move in a powerful, powerful way, God. We ask you tonight that you touch those that are sick, We ask you to heal those that need to be healed, God. We ask you to deliver those who need to be delivered, those that need to be saved. Save them right where they are as they call out to you in repentance, Lord. 
Lord, we ask you to go with us all tonight. Protect every person here. Watch over us. Bless our families. Bless this church. Bless our homes. Bless our jobs. And keep your hand upon us, Lord, until we come together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Come back Sunday morning. We'd love to see everybody at church. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.